Hey, the national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new SUV like an adventure-ready RAV4. Available with all-wheel drive, your new RAV4 is built for performance on any terrain, from the road to the trails, and with plenty of passenger and cargo space, plus available tech like wireless charging, you and your entire crew can stay connected. Or check out a stylish and comfortable Highlander with three spacious rows of seating for up to eight passengers and with available features like the panoramic moonroof. You can sit back and enjoy the wide-open views with your whole family. Plus, both RAV4s and Highlanders are available in hybrid models, so no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and save on gas. Visit your local Toyota dealer and check out amazing national sales event deals on RAVs, Highlanders, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. If you're like me, it's now the end of the day, and you say, "Uh uh-oh, what are we going to have for dinner? Well, here's the solution. Eating better is easy with Factors Delicious, ready-to-eat meals. Every fresh, never-frozen meal is chef-crafted, dietitian approved and ready to go in just two minutes. You're going to have over 35 different options to choose from every week, including Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. Flexible for your schedule, get as much or as little as you need by choosing your meals every week. Plus, you can pause or reschedule your deliveries at any time. Also, there are more than 60 add-ons to help you stay fueled up and feeling good all day long. Factor is the perfect solution if you're looking for fast, premium options with no cooking required. Sign up and save. We've done the math. Factor is less expensive then take out, and every meal is dietitian approved to be nutritious and delicious. What are you waiting for? Get started today and get after your goals. Head to factormeals.com slash smirconish50 and use code smirconish50 because you'll get 50% off. That's code smirconish50 at factormeals.com slash smirconish50. Get your 50% off. Welcome. Welcome. Welcome to Book Club with Michael Smirkanish. Hi, it's Michael Smirkanish. As a Sirius XM and CNN host, I'm known for speaking, but frankly, I read for a living. I need to know what to say, and so I consume over two dozen newspapers and websites daily. I read opposing views and studies and court cases and orders and op-eds just so I can discuss current events on radio and television. But my favorite reading? Books. Old school. And my favorite interviews? are with book authors. Book Club with Michael Smirconish is now in session. If you were to go to the Atlantic website right now and take a look at a ranking of the most popular items that are posted at that site, as has been the case for weeks, you would see something by my next guest. Has the smartphone destroyed a generation? Dr. Jean Twangy adapted from her book, That Which is Posted at the Atlantic. I read it like so many others and was mesmerized by the data. I interviewed her here on POTUS and and said, Dr. Twangy, please, when the book on which this chapter is based comes out, I promise I will read it. We will have you back. The book is now out. I, Jen, why today's super-connected kids are growing up less rebellious, more tolerant, less happy, and completely unprepared for adulthood. This is Dr. Twangy. Thank you for coming back. I really, really enjoyed the book. 
Oh, thanks. I said to my audience before we broke at the end of the last hour that it's it's one of the most, I think, important and compelling things. I am an avid reader, so this is high praise for what it's worth coming from me. But it's one of the most compelling things and one of the most troublesome things that I've read in quite some time. Now that I've read the book, I get that it's much, much more than the trends that we first discussed, how they're not hanging out with friends. They're in no rush to drive. Less dating, less sex, more likely to feel lonely, and less likely to get enough sleep. So let me back up and say, you study generational divides. Is that a fair way to sum up your work? Generational differences and similarities, which are mostly caused by how our culture changes over time. So you were looking at, at different bodies of data, and there was a line of demarcation. In other words, like a tipping point in each of these indices that you saw, and you said, hey, something happened that year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's exactly right, because I've been doing this for a long time, about 25 years, and I use these really big uh, national surveys of teens, and right around 2011 or 2012, I started to see, in some cases, a very new trends that were sudden changes and others, um, things that were accelerating, and that was in teens' behavior and in their attitudes and in their mental health. And I did start to wonder what was going on around 2011 or 2012 and then realized that's when everybody got a smartphone. We are in the midst of what you describe as the worst mental health crisis in decades. Yeah, so... Teens now, uh, more than teens five years ago or 10 years ago, are more likely to say that they feel depressed and hopeless, that they feel more anxiety. Um, A large national screening study found 50% more suffer from clinical-level depression. The suicide rate, as just one example, the suicide rate for young uh, teen girls, so 12, 13, 14-year-olds, has tripled. It's, it really is a crisis. It's really something that we can't ignore because these young people are telling us that they're suffering, that they're really struggling these days. And yet, Dr. Twangy, this is going to sound so counterintuitive to people who have not yet read iGen because to them that device in their pocket is one of connectivity and, and staying in friendships and or or renewing friendships and acquaintances from years ago so how can it be that we're so isolated at a time when we feel so connected well think about the way a teenager's lives uh, changed just in the last five six years that it used to be yeah maybe they had had a had a phone maybe they had a social media page and they used it every once in a while to connect with their friends but then they'd go out and they'd hang out at the mall or drive around um, and just hang out with their friends then that shifted. So they were spending more and more time texting and on Snapchat and Instagram and social media with their friends, having that phone in their hand all the time. And then they started going out with their friends a lot less. So what happened was that electronic communication replaced that in-person communication. And that's not a good recipe for mental health. Sure, it's great to be connected, but not at the expense of seeing people face-to-face, because that, of course, is really good for mental health. So instead of spending a high school weekend out among friends, many of them are in their bedrooms. They might be connected, but they're leading a virtual life, not a a human-touch existence. Yeah, and there's some people who have said, well, you know, teens are staying connected. They're just communicating with their friends the way teens have always communicated with their friends. But that assumes that 
doing a few things on Snapchat and texting back and forth, that that's just as good as hanging out in person. And it's not. It's not as good. It's not as good for mental health. It's not as good for social skills. It's just not the same experience. It's not as emotionally close, and it doesn't give us the fuel that we really need to feel happy. I sense that another part of this issue that you've brought to light is the fact that what they're seeing on online and via Snapchat and Facebook pages and whatever their mode of communication might be puts additional stressors on them. How many friends do I have? What kind of a picture can I transmit? What have I done that's pretty cool that everybody else might find of interest? And so, you know, you've got this whole set of dynamics now that you've got to compete with. So that's the other part of it. And that's that's particularly true, even more true for girls that their whole life revolves around, well, am I putting up the right image and am I getting the likes fast enough and what is this girl saying about me? Those are the types of concerns that teen girls have always thought about, but having it right there in your phone all the time kind of ramps up the level of anxiety. Also, because that electronic communication, it doesn't have the instant face-to-face feedback that you get when you're in person. So I always think about, say, a teen girl who sent a text to her crush and then waits for him to write back. Think about what that must feel like of, okay, why didn't he write back? And, oh, there's those three little dots. He's writing back. Oh, now they disappeared. What does that mean? And it just ramps up the anxiety to such a level. Dr. Jean Twang is a professor of psychology at San Diego State University. She's the author of more than 120 scientific publications. Now a new book, iGen. Are we settled? Is your uh, is your academic circle settled on the lexicon? We all know boomers. We know Gen Xers. We know millennials. I confess that until I became familiar with you and your work, I'd never heard iGen. Yeah, so, uh, you know, these, these labels for generations are, are not necessarily scientific. Um, they, they kind of waver back and forth, and then a consensus usually forms around them. So millennials didn't really stick until about five years ago. They were Gen Y for a while, and thus some people suggested the label Gen Z for this post-millennial group. But now that millennials aren't Gen Y, Gen Z is not going to work, uh, so we need another label. So I came up with iGen uh, quite a while ago, thinking it might be a label for the millennials, but it it works so much better for this group whose lives have really been shaped by the smartphone. And two-thirds of them have an iPhone, not just a smartphone, but an iPhone. So the label iGen works really well. I know you have three iGen daughters. Mm -hmm. Uh, We have three sons uh, and one daughter. Our daughter is is older. Um, But the, the boys, I circulated your piece to... I hope that they read it. I don't know if they read it, but two are in college and one is in high school. What can I do? You've alarmed me with your data, and a lot of it resonates. In fact, I'll give you one snapshot. The 16-year-old who's about to go back to school in a week, only this at the end of the summer, on his own initiative, obtained his driver's license. He is straight out of your book because when I turned 16, that day, my parents had me at the, the DMV. In his case, it was like, not a, big, not, you know, not a big deal. I'll get around to it when I get around to it. Yeah. You know, there was one um, teen who on a survey when I asked about driver's licenses, he said, well, 
I didn't get my driver's license right away because my parents didn't push me to get my driver's license. That one, that blew my mind. It's the other way around. (laughs) The teen is supposed to be pushing the parent. So, well, you know, he's, he's ahead of the curve because now at the end of spring of their senior year, so most of them are 18, about a fourth uh, still don't have their driver's license. And that's not just in urban areas. That's in rural and suburban areas where there's, where Uber, rural areas, Uber doesn't even exist and there's no public transportation. So it's a, it's a, across the country that these trends are showing up and it's you know some of those trends are not necessarily bad that we have kids who are waiting longer to drink alcohol or have sex there's um some things in there that parents would obviously think are very positive, but then the flip side is they're going to go to college, they're going to enter uh, their first job without as much experience with independence and these adult activities. Right. So what can we parents do? So, you know, in, in, in this case, um, I think there's, there's a, a number of things. So first, you know, around the smartphone, it doesn't mean you need to yank the smartphone out of your teen's hand. That wouldn't go well anyway. Um, but limited use, moderate use of the phone seems to be the key. You know, the, the problem is the kids who have the, that phone in their hand, you know, five hours, even eight, or even 10, 12 hours a day, and it's crowding out everything else in their lives. So having that phone and using it on a limited basis, maybe if this is an issue or you think it might be one, there are apps um, that parents can use to put limits on teens, say limit the amount of time they spend on social media or texting or on the phone, period. And then have, have that app shut that phone down at night so she gets a good night of sleep because that's the other crucial part here. Kids are staying up on their phones, sometimes even looking at them in the middle of the night, and that is not a good recipe for sleep. And then, of course, sleep's related to mental health. So it all comes back. I took your quiz. I, I wanted to know how iGen I am. I don't think I'm very iGen. <laughs> yeah, so I had things in the quiz with trends from the book, um, things about getting a driver's license and um, uh, lots of other, other trends. Uh, well, one of them was being a political independent. That's another trend that uh, that shows up with iGen. Um, so, yeah, there's a fun little quiz in the book, and uh, it kind of gives you a preview of uh, some of the, the trends that, that show up. Can I rattle off a couple of my answers? Uh, sure. In the past 24 hours, did you spend at least an hour total texting on a cell phone? Did not. Do I have mm-hmm. Snapchat? I do not. Do I consider mm-hmm. myself a religious person? I've raised our kids in a religious uh, setting, but frankly, no, I don't. Do yeah. you get your? Did you get your driver's license by the time you turned 17? Absolutely. <laughs> do I think same-sex marriage should be legal? Yes. Did you ever drink alcohol more than a few sips by the time you turned 16? I did. Did you fight with your parents a lot? No, I really didn't. Were you mm-hmm. more than one-third of the other students at your high school of a different race? Absolutely not. When you were in high school, did you spend nearly every weekend out with friends? I did. Mm-hmm. Did you have a job uh, in high school? I did. Do you agree that safe space Spaces and trigger warnings are good ideas. Frankly, I don't. Are you an independent? I do. Do you support legalized uh, marijuana? I do. Is having sex without much emotion desirable? I know I'm supposed to say no, so I'll say no for the purpose <laughs> of the survey. And when when you were in high school, did you often feel left out and lonely? I did not. What do you make of that? Yeah. So um, you have a couple answers in there, which would would. Uh you know, be uh, similar to iGen, but yes, most of them are not. So uh, considering yourself a religious person, 
uh, iGen much more than millennials, Gen Xers, um, and especially boomers at the same age, uh, is uh, less likely to think of themselves as religious. They're less likely to have drunk alcohol, uh, more likely to uh, support same-sex marriage. Um, they don't fight with their parents as much as previous generations, which suggests that a lot of this stuff around growing up slowly and, you know, not getting your driver's license, they're, that they're okay with it, which is interesting. Um, so they are going to high school um, in very diverse environments, not spending as much time with their friends, um, not as likely to work at a job during high school, um, more likely, and I found, actually, this wasn't just at the fringes, a, the majority of um, college students in um, a, a few surveys I did supported the idea of safe spaces um, and uh, having trigger warnings on um, on readings that might upset people. They're more likely to be politically independent, uh, more likely to support legal marijuana. Um, they're waiting longer to have sex, but when they do, uh, more likely to say that sex without emotion is the way to go, especially during the college years, and then more likely to feel left out and lonely in high school, um, possibly because on social media they can see everything that they're missing. It's not, I mean, it's not all, I, I used the word alarming. The the last chapter, actually there's sort of a postscript, but chapter 10 is the one in which I take great solace because, as you made reference to, the iGen is more independent in its mm -hmm. political philosophy. Will you say something about that? Yeah, so um, these these surveys, a bunch of them have, have asked, say, high school seniors and also young adults, uh, which political party they affiliate with. And the biggest change, the most consistent change, has been for more young people to say that they're not a Republican or a Democrat, that they're independent. And their political views themselves are an interesting mix. They're, people have assumed that these young generations um, are really, really liberal, and they do have some of those views. And, for example, support of same-sex marriage is one. Um, support for legal abortion is another. Legal, legal marijuana. Yet, on the other hand, they are not as supportive of gun control, um, and a few other, on a few other issues, they hit a more conservative stance. So, say, government action uh, around the environment is another one. So they have this mix of beliefs that at first people are like, wait, what's going on? They're not liberals, so what's conservative? They're libertarians. That's really what distinguishes their political belief, is that belief in the power of the individual, which is the overall movement in the culture, too. So iGen looks at a lot of these issues and just says, the individual self, that's what should be supported. That's what should be in charge. I don't want those, that government intervention. I don't trust that. For me, I'll, I'll let you go, Dr. Twangy, after, <clears throat> pardon me this, but for me, the, the, the largest takeaway was, and I don't know whether you would say correlation or causation, but we're in the midst of a mental health crisis that the data seems to suggest is tied to our use of technology. Yeah, so it is hard to tell correlation and causation here. But right at the same time smartphones came on the scene, these mental health issues showed up. Teens who spend more time on screens are more likely to have those mental health issues. A couple other studies show it's not the mental health issues um, that are causing people to use social media, for example. It's social media coming first and then, you know, leading to those issues. So that's a, um, no, we can't say definitively that that's the cause, but there's a lot of evidence pointing in that direction. And thus, I think it behooves parents uh, and teens to at least consider 
hey, you know, maybe spending 12 hours a day, five hours a day on that smartphone is not the way to go, that two or three hours is enough, and then that leaves time for other things in life. It's a really valuable book. I wish you all good things with it. Thanks for coming back. Thank you. That's Dr. Jean Twangy. The book is titled iGen, Why Today's Super-Connected Kids Are Growing Up Less Rebellious. That's a good thing. More tolerant. That's a good thing. Less happy. That's not a good thing. And completely unprepared for adulthood. Book Club with Michael Smirconish. New episodes drop Tuesdays and Fridays. Listen to the Michael Smirconish program weekdays on Sirius XM's POTUS Channel 124 and anytime on the SXM app. Connect with Michael on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, and at Smirconish.com.